And welcome back to Traditions. I'm Ron Alesco, and I am so happy to have, <laughs> pardon the pun, but I am so happy to have this guest on with us today. Uh, he has been a, a true icon in the, in the folk music com- community, uh, starting back in the 1950s when he was just a teenager playing guitar in Washington Square Park and studying from people like Brownie McGee and working in the 60s with all the legends of folk music, and uh, including his own. Uh, working with the the, uh, the New World Singers, being the first recording for Bob Dylan's Blown in the Wind, and going on to do so much more with his brother Artie, with the Woodstock Mountains Review, with his own company, Homespun Tapes, uh, and, and his great solo albums. And it's been a while, uh, I think seven years if I'm not mistaken, but we have a brand new album called There's a Bright Side Somewhere, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show... Happy Traum. Happy. How you doing today? I'm doing just great, Ron. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful day uh, in the summertime. You know, what could be bad? Right. And well, nothing could be bad. And especially there's a bright side somewhere, a new album. That's right. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was really delight when I received this because you've got some great songs here. Uh, songs that really kind of span your career. Uh, a couple of new ones, a couple of instrumentals, some great artists, and we're going to get into it. But it's it's been, what, seven years since your last album, but I, I believe the pandemic had something to do with the, the delay. Yeah, I, I'm not the most prolific uh, album maker anyway. I've, uh, you know, I put one out every half a decade or so, you know, Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, this was supposed to have been done two years ago or more, two and a half. I started it in 2019, um, and then we we're going to go back in the studio in early 2020. And of course, that's when the proverbial stuff hit the fan. Um, and uh, nobody wanted to be in a closed room with other people, you know. Sure. Uh, so I just had to put it on hold. And then um, gradually we became more comfortable with it. And, you know, I'm just so blessed to have such a strong and talented cadre of friends mm. uh, in my circle who I could call on to uh, enhance this record so beautifully. Uh, you know, with, um, of course, you know, John Sebastian's been on all my records since the earliest days. Larry Campbell, who produced my last record and, um, you know, helped out a lot on this one. And, um then you know people like Jeff Muldar and um, Tony Trishka and Jay Unger and you know Cindy Cashdollar especially was very instrumental in this. Just you know, um, so you know it's and then singers um, Amy Helm came in and sang on a couple of songs. Levon's daughter Amy and so I just feel like I had this um, this tremendous backlog of support here as well as my whatever my vision was of making this cd so i'm i'm thrilled with it i think it came out really as as well as i could have hoped for Oh, it certainly did. And, and you know, as you mentioned all those names, I, I realize a lot of them are probably your neighbors up in the in the Woodstock area. That's right. uh, so it's pretty easy to get them all together, I guess. But, uh, oh, it just, it's just great effort. You know, I want to play the uh, the title cut. Um, There's a Bright Side Somewhere, which is a, which is a great old song. Uh, what's your connection with this song? Why, why, why did you choose this one and also make it your, your album title? You know, I hadn't heard this song until fairly recently, maybe 
six, seven years ago. I was at a teaching at a guitar camp with the great fingerstyle blues player Mary Flower, mm. uh, who's a good friend as well. And um, we were sitting around swapping songs with a bunch of the students at the camp, and Mary sang this song, and it just rang a bell with me. Um, I I love the um, positive message. Of course, you know, which I always look for in a song, if it's uplifting rather than, you know, depressing. Um, <laughs> it's just my nature. Um, and I also like the chord progression in this song, which is fairly simple, but it's got that nice change in the third line, which is a little surprising. So I sat down and just made a finger picking guitar arrangement of it. And I just, as I do often, it gets stuck in my head and I just played it over and over again and came out pretty good. And when I recorded it, um, I just brought Larry Campbell in on mandolin and uh, we did it as pretty much as a duet. Um, and uh, I think Byron Isaacs is on that playing bass, right? Or, um, and a couple of singers. No, actually there's no bass on that, sorry. Um, Eugene Ruffalo and, and Amy Helm and Zach Janikian did a beautiful job singing back up for me and hand claps as well. <laughs> There's a bright side somewhere There's a bright side somewhere Let's not rest until we find it There's a bright side somewhere There's more joy somewhere There's more joy somewhere Let's not rest until we find it. There's more joy somewhere. Side somewhere, 
There's a bright side somewhere. Let's not rest until we find there's a bright side somewhere. There's a bright side somewhere. There's a Bright Side Somewhere. That's the title track, the first cut on a brand new album from Happy Traum, who is with us today on Traditions. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always loved that song, Happy, and I, I love so many of the other great songs that you have on here. You've got some some more traditional tunes like Dry Bones and a couple Bob Dylan songs and Eric Anderson song. Um, you know, and some of the traditional songs, you make them sound fresh you know i i hear a lot of artists that uh, that will take some of the older tunes and make it sound like a museum piece but you you always kind of kind of bring a, a new life to it and i think that's what really keeps this music going uh you know it just kind of gives everybody a an opportunity to to put their own personality into it and uh i think that's important uh, do you feel the same way when you yeah. do these arrangements yeah, thanks. I, I was never too good at trying to imitate the old Appalachian or, <laughs> you know, Mi- Mississippi blues guys. It just, it, you know, this uh, this New York kid, just it just didn't work for me. Uh, some people can do it very well and sound like uh, Southern artists or rural artists, but I'm a city guy, so I just try to make the songs sound like me as much as possible and mm-hmm. hope people enjoy them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, it sounds like you and, it, you know, it, it's kind of, as I said at the very beginning, this is sort of a, I don't know if I'd call it a retrospective, but I mean, these are songs that I think you've been playing since those early days in the 50s in the village. They they stay with you. <laughs> was, was it a conscious effort on, on the songs that you selected for this this album? You know, it's not a conscious effort, but it's just the songs that I love. And it's the it's just what I am attracted to. So um, I pull out a song like Dry Bones, for instance, which I learned from the singing of Baskin Lamar Lunsford on the old Folkways anthology uh, recorded back in the late 20s. Um, he played it on banjo and sang it in his very uh, traditional old time style. But um, something about the song I just loved. It's also fairly uplifting. It's a kind of a satirical biblical tale you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's got a lot of funny kind of twist to it so um and it's also a great sing-along when i do Mm -hmm. it live with an audience uh people like to sing the chorus with me too Mm -hmm. so and other songs like um bob dylan's farewell for instance um bob taught that to us when i was in the new world singers in 1960 in 1963 playing around the village uh, at the coffee houses and uh, he was just new to New York at the time and uh, he was glad to have anybody sing his songs back then (laughs) you know so um, this was one of the songs the the original uh, melody of this was a British wailing song called The Leaving of Liverpool Um, and Bob as Woody Guthrie did and some other folk singers would take old traditional melodies and put new words to them. And that's what Bob did on this. And um, I rarely have sung it in all the years since then, but I remembered it and just thought, gee, maybe I can make a nice guitar arrangement of this and get some people to play on it. And um, so I brought in um, Tony Trishka to play banjo and um, Larry Campbell to play fiddle and got some backup singers 
Um, and actually, um, yeah, it was just, just a lot of fun to play. And it brought back memories of those early days in the village for me. It's fairly well, my darling true I'm leaving in the first hours of the morn I'm bound off for the Bay of Mexico Or maybe the coast of California So it's fairly well, my own true love We'll meet again another day, another time It ain't that's grieving me, but my true love was bound to stay behind. Oh, the weather is against me, and the wind blows hard. The rain, she's turning into hail. But I still might strike it lucky on a highway going west, though I'm traveling on a path beaten trail. Another day, another time It ain't believe That's grieving me But my true love That's bound to stay Plains. 
They say that the people are all friendly there And all they ask of you is your name So it's fairly well My own true love will meet again another day Another time It ain't believing That's grieving me But my true love is bound to stay behind It's not believing That's grieving me But my true love that's bound to stay behind That's Bob Dylan's song, Farewell, performed by Happy Trauman Friends on the new album, There's a Bright Side Somewhere. You know, Happy, you're talking about the, the those old days, uh, bringing back memories. Uh, the, the whole recording process and, and the way folk music has gone over the years, I mean, you were part of that broadside session, that classic album on folkways and the New World Singers doing the very first recording of Blowing in the Wind. I, I can imagine that the times they are a-changing, I mean, from what you were recording back then and how it's done now. Um, what do you think of the evolution of, of the whole process and the way people take in music these days? Well, you know, we have so many tools now at our disposal for enhancing and making it easier you know, to, to make records. You don't have to use a razor blade to cut tape, for instance. Um, you know, it's all done digitally. And, you know, I know there are some sort of holdouts for the old days who <laughs> still love the analog sound and all that, which I can appreciate. But um, when I think about, you know, the hours and hours that went in just, you know, bouncing tracks from one tape to the other and using multiple tape recorders and all that. Um, it's just so much easier and more spontaneous now. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, in terms of actually getting a song on tape, I still enjoy playing live with people in the room, uh, you know, as much as possible. Now we did do some overdubbing on this one broad, you know, some of the singers and some of the um, people who couldn't be there for the actual session uh, for one reason or another. But my, the, the best way I can think of to do a song is to have myself, a bass player, maybe the drummer, Eric Parker, who's a fantastically sensitive uh, drummer with amazing time. Um, and um, maybe somebody like Larry Campbell in the room, you can't go wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And just cut the basic tracks of the song and sing it live because that's where you get that spontaneous feeling and that um, warmth, I think, that you get as opposed to putting everything down separately and then mixing it all together later. It just, you know, I, I just like that process. It, it comes out more honest, I think, and more more folky, I guess, is the best yeah, word to that's use. Right. Uh, yeah, but that's you right. know, I, I get so many CDs and recordings from artists who uh, you know, tell me how they put things together. Well, I never met this person, but they sent in their track digitally. And, <laughs> and it, it seems like it kind of lacks that, that personal feeling that uh, I think has always been part of folk music. Um, you know, the changes in, in, in the folk music world, I mean, you were talking before about uh, learning from Bascom, Lamar Lunsford, and, and some of the other people. I mean, you studied with Brownie McGee. Um, some of the artists that we consider the, the real roots of folk music, but... You know, during the folk revival, it changed. I mean, it, 
like you were saying yourself, a kid from the city. And, uh, yep. you know, you, you, you added your own style. And I think the folk revival had its own style. And now here we are, 2022. You know, I, I've been doing this radio show since 1980. I'm still not sure what folk music is anymore. Um, but, <laughs> but, 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 what's your your feelings on this? I mean, you've been involved with folk music uh, for so long. I mean, you were the editor of Sing Out Magazine for a while and uh, uh, mm-hmm. Homespun Tapes. I mean, uh, where do you see the changes with with folk music? You know, I think it's gone through ups and downs. I think for me, the worst part of it was. Um, this strangely enough, it's going to be strange for me to say this, but when folk music went, well, they didn't use the term viral then, but you know, when the brothers four and the limelighters and the Kingston trio and all these guy groups, um, I mean, some of them were great. Peter, Paul and Mary was certainly a fantastic group and great entertainers and everything. But when, you know, you had hoot nanny on television and when, you know, they, blacklisted Pete Seeger because he wasn't whatever politically correct enough um, or too politically correct, I guess, <laughs> in his case. Um, I thought that was, even though folk music reached a huge popularity back then, it was also in some ways a low point. But then it kind of went into this kind of semi-underground thing and so many fantastic artists have come the singer-songwriters and and traditional folk singers through the 70s, 80s, 90s. And today, I mean, there's just, you know, and there are all these outlets for their music, even though they don't get paid for being on Spotify or on YouTube and all that stuff. But you can find the most fantastic stuff. And young singers, um, you know, kids in their, to me, they're kids in their 20s and 30s, um, just some of them singing very traditionally oriented songs. And I, I just love it. Uh, yeah. You know, Willie Watson, somebody like that, or, um, you know, Tuba Skinny, this fantastic uh, New Orleans band, or um, Mike and Ruthie from the Mammals, you know, these fabulous singers and, and they just carry on the tradition. I think it's pretty healthy now. I'm sure. excited. Yeah, just last week on the show, we had Nora Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with Nora. She's 16, yeah, 16 years old and amazing. So there's Yes, hope. I've heard her. I've never heard her live, but I've heard her uh, on YouTube. And um, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, so I guess yeah. they're... they're well, somebody they're, like Billy Strings, of course, yeah. you know, who just takes it to a whole new level in terms of, you know, technical proficiency and, mm-hmm. you know, incredible chops. You know, the guy is just amazing. Sure. Well, you know, part of your 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 whole story is is also about homespun tapes, which I guess now it's just homespun recordings, and we don't do we have tapes anymore. Uh, we, call it, yeah, we, call it, we just call it homespun music instruction because okay. there are people now who don't know what the word tape means, right. you know, except for scotch tape to put something together with. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we call it homespun music instruction, although the official name is still homespun tapes mm-hmm. um, it's all downloads now there's no physical product at all but you can so we have uh, probably set over 700 different lessons by almost 300 different uh, instructors including some of my heroes you know like Pete Seeger and Bill Monroe and uh, uh, Dr. John and Donald Fagan teaching piano keyboard and keyboards um, you know, it's just a huge, and Tony Trishka and Tony Rice and Sam Bush, all these bluegrass guys. So, um, you know, now you can go online, you can order it, pay for it. Sometimes it's re- reduced prices and 
right then, like seconds later, you can be getting a lesson with these people. And uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a whole different world out there for that kind of thing. Yeah. And we, I feel like we have both, you know, it's both instructional and it's also a kind of a repository for traditional styles because um, when else are you going to hear Bill, Mur Bill Monroe talk about how he plays his mandolin, not just hear him playing it, but, you know, taking apart his solos or mm -hmm. uh, certainly Tony Rice um, explaining his fantastic flat picking. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just um, or people like Ralph Stanley or Dr. John or Paul Butterfield on harmonica. I mean, it's just um, I think it's a fantastic library of uh, traditional styles and, and techniques. Absolutely. And so many artists have uh, said, oh, I've got so many <laughs> this tape recording or this DVD in their, their, their library. That's how they they were inspired. And was it was there That's a right. was there a decision when you started Homespun Tape to, uh, you know, kind of make it a repository? What was the impetus behind? Oh, this is back in 1967. Yeah, we started in 67 when there weren't even audio cassettes. They were just little reel to five inch reel to reel tapes. All right. And um, uh, there were a couple of reasons. One reason I started it was because I had written a book called Finger Picking Styles for Guitar, my first book in 1965, where I transcribed uh, the gu guitar solos, mostly finger pickers, the finger picking styles, of people like Mississippi John Hurd and Elizabeth Cotton and uh, Merle Travis and uh, even some more contemporary people like Tom Paley and Mike Seeger. Um, people that I had heard in Washington Square Park. Um, and I tried to show people how to play these styles by making tablature for these, you know, incredible right hand and left hand uh, solos. Well, when somebody from somewhere in the Midwest wrote to me and said, you know, I, I like this book, but I can't find these recordings. I don't know what this is supposed to sound like. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, maybe I should just make an approximation on tape of what I did on the book. So my first series of tapes, and they were literally real-to-real -real tapes, were me doing my best to teach the songs that were in the book. Mm -hmm. And then started putting out little ads in Sing Out magazine and um, Rolling Stone had just started publication in 1967 and so had Guitar Player magazine. So we took out little classified ads in these magazines and sure enough, people started ordering, you know, and Jane, my wife, who's co-founder co and partner in this for all these years, you know, I'd go on tour with my brother and she'd be packing up these you know, and also running them off on the kitchen table from wow. from one tape to another and flipping them over so you could get the second side because, you know, a lot of your younger listeners aren't going to remember that. The right. tapes came in two sides and they went in two different directions. Um, and then a couple of years later, cassettes came in and that was a big deal because yeah. then you, and then we got a high speed cassette duplicator, which went about three times normal speed and did both sides at once, so we didn't have to flip them over. And then um, by the 1980s, video came in, so we started immediately making lessons on VHS. And actually, back then, this may be too much information, but back then, we, we not only had to make VHS, but 
Sony had their own videotape. We had to make the Sony um, Betamax, tapes, yeah, yeah, the Betamax tapes. We also had to make PAL for Europe because we were getting orders from Europe, and that was another um, st type of uh, you know signal we had to put on the tape. So when DVDs then came in in the early '90s, that was a pleasure because it was all one format. And uh, then we really took off with DVDs. Mm -hmm. But now we don't even have DVDs anymore. We just oh. have downloads and streaming. Wow. What times they are changing. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, definitely. The way you described <laughs> it, I can see why you called it homespun because <laughs> you really right. a <laughs> kitchen table. Yeah. Well, you know, I like what you were saying before about the, the, the work from homespun is, is kind of a repository because, uh, you know, where else, as you said, where else would you get a chance to hear from these legends? And I know you yourself, you studied with Brownie McGee. I can imagine what it would have been like to have Brownie McGee on one of these recordings. But you what's know, it happening? Um, I, yeah, I when I was uh, about 18, 19, 20 years old, I used to go down to Brownie's apartment. He lived on East 125th Street in Harlem, on East Harlem. And, and I used to go down from the Bronx with my guitar and I'd go up to his apartment and we'd sit around and he'd just play together. And I'd, he'd stop me and crit criticize my my thumb wasn't keeping time well enough or or I'd stop him and say, what was that lick you just played? You know, and it went on. We became good friends. Um, actually, on one occasion, Sonny Terry dropped by and he sat in on the lesson playing harmonica with wow. us. Um, so um, and one of my great regrets is that um, I never got Brownie McGee on Homespun. Um, and one reason was that he had moved out to California and by the time I got out there and tried to tape him, he was he was a little old and not able to play as well. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to embarrass him by putting out something that wasn't his optimum. Sure. I mean, he was really one of the great players. And um, of course, he was a great entertainer, and that's really what he's known for. But he was a fantastic guitar player and songwriter. And it's one reason I chose, I think most of my most of my CDs have had at least one song by Brownie on them. And in this one, I, I got one. of It's almost his signature song called I've Been Living With The Blues. Rocks on my pillow, cold ground my bed, blue skies my blanket, moonlight my spread. Not a shame, ain't that new. Cause I've been living with the blues You ever been down? Know how I feel Feel like an engine Lost this driving wheel I'm not ashamed Ain't that new Cause I've been living with the blues I said the rocks have been my pillow What a hole I'm in Don't believe I love you Just look what a fool I've been I'm not ashamed Ain't that you Cause I've been living with the blues 
pillow Cold ground has been my bed Blue sky's my only companion The moonlight has been my spread Oh yeah, don't believe I'm drinking Look what a hole I'm in Don't believe I love you Just look what a fool I've been I'm not ashamed of that Living with the Blues, a Brown and McGee tune performed by Happy Traum on the new album, There's a Bright Side Somewhere. And it's always a bright day whenever we have a chance to talk to Happy, which we're doing today on Traditions. Um, happy, as I, I guess, as I said before, you know, looking at this album, uh, you have songs here from, from Blind Willie McTell, a lot of traditional tunes, some instrumentals, uh, which is really nice to hear because that really, I think you get to shine <laughs> with some of your friends. Uh, and, and what a, what a, what a great group of musicians that you've gathered. Um, when you were putting this together, you know, when you mentioned before, you know, you were hoping to have this up and then the pandemic hit. Um, was there a theme or anything that planned about how this album would sound? I mean, how is it different from your, your previous recordings? Um, what, well, what? I'm seven years older. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing. Um, you know, um, a lot of this was spontaneously done. Uh, the second song on the album called the Santa Cruz blues was literally uh, played spontaneously in the studio. Um, I had just gotten a signature guitar that Santa Cruz Guitar Company had made for me to my specifications, and it arrived while I was making this record. Hmm. Um, so I brought it into the studio, and um, after one of the sessions we did, I asked Dave Cook, our engineer, to uh, just set up a mic for me to play. And Eric Parker, this wonderful drummer, was there. And I just sat down and sort of improvised. I actually improvised just to test out my guitar. And I started playing this stuff. And at the end, Dave Cook said, you know, that sounds really good. <laughs> and so I listened to it and I thought, you know, it's really not bad. And Eric was so on the mark with his brushes and and just 
you know, hitting those, it's amazing how he hit those um, improvised notes with me. So, um, I, you know, that, that's, that was totally spontaneous. And so was um, my instrumental version of uh, Come All You Fair and Tender Ladies, which I've loved since I heard Pete Seeger sing it on one of his very first records. Maybe it was Darling Corey. I'm not sure. It might have been one of those very early Folkways records. And of course, thousands of people have recorded this song. And I even did it on one of my first solo records back in the 70s where I sang it. Uh-huh. But again, I was sitting there after a session and the 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 tapes, well, the proverbial tapes were rolling. The, the digital uh, <laughs> media was rolling <laughs> and the mics were all set up. So I just played an instrumental version of Come All You Tender, Fair and Tender Ladies. And again, Dave Cook said, you know, that's really nice. We should do something with that. Um, so then... Um, I thought, well, who would be great, good to enhance this? I could have put it out just as a pure guitar solo, but then I thought my my friend, my dear friend, Daryl Anger, who was one of the many geniuses of that who are playing to get, playing various instruments today, and he's a fiddle and violin player who I totally love personally and admire professionally for his musicianship. I just thought maybe Daryl can do something with this. So I sent it off to him, and that was one example where it was not done live in the studio, but Daryl put his part down from Nashville. Um, and I got it back, and I just thought, these are, I never in a million years would have thought about these harmonies or this style, this way of, do, of what he did with my song, with my traditional version of the song. And I was just totally thrilled with it. When I played it for Larry Campbell, who of course plays every instrument under the sun that has <laughs> strings on it, he he just immediately said, don't touch it. It's perfect. Just put it out exactly like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we did. And, and I love Daryl for doing that for me. Uh, it's so, so intriguing to, to hear this. I hope our, our listeners will be able to check it out. I mean, from, from first cut to the last, I mean, it, it really flows and it's... Uh, yeah, in a way, it's a tribute to you and your life and your friends and uh, artists that I've kind of grown up with. I mean, since I started doing the show in 1980, I mean, it's, I see so many of these names here, people that I've I've played over the years, and it's so good to see that you're you're all still so involved with the music and still so creative with the music you know a lot of people sit back and rest on their laurels but uh you know you're still going strong in fact you've got a you know i know the covid i'm sure has probably put the, a little dent in some plans a lot of people do cd yeah, release parties sure. and such but you're, you're gonna mm-hmm. you have a couple of things coming up you're gonna be at the philadelphia folk festival this year and, yeah, uh, for the first time in about 30 years, I'm going to do the Philly Folk Festival. I'm wow. going to be, um, but part of it, I'm going to be on stage with my, my great friend, Jim Queskin, oh, nice. uh, who I love to play with. We've, we've played together quite a lot over the last few years. Um, and he's just a, uh, he's got a huge font of knowledge of old songs. Um, in fact, he knows more songs than anybody I know. Hmm. But songs from before, say 1940. <laughs> right. That's his. That's his uh, metier. Um, but he's so much fun to play with, and I think we're going to be doing a, a a show with. I'm going to be on stage with him, 
Jim Queskin and with Tom Rush, um, another old timer, let's say. so I'm really looking forward to that Philly uh, Folk Festival. I played first in, I think, 1971 with my brother Artie. Wow. Um, and a few times through the years, but not for in recent years at all. So it'll be fun to be there again. Oh, absolutely. And it's, a, it's such an evolving festival. I mean, they've got some, some wonderful new artists that are going to be there, some some icons like yourself and Jim Queskin and Tom Rush, Livingston Taylor. Oh, I'm just looking at the lineup. That's going to be fun. That's August. Yeah, uh, I love Livingston's an old friend, too. Oh, oh this is going to run August sure. 18th through the 22nd. Uh, so folks can check that out. And you're going to be in, in, in our neck of the woods here in New Jersey in September at the uh, Troubadour. I am. I'm going to come back to the Troubadour um, in Morristown. Um, I've done that place. I've played that place many times and I always love it. I always get a great audience with friends showing up and, uh, you know, it's um, it's just one of those things. I, I don't like to let too much time go by without showing up there and doing my songs. And, uh, you know, I always look forward to that show. Uh, it should be a fun evening. That's uh, September 16th, so mark your calendars. And you've also got some camps coming up. I see you're going to be at uh, Furpiece Ranch uh, in August. Right. I've Well, I'm going to be virtually at Furpiece this time. Oh, virtually. Time. Okay. Yep. I've I've done enough. For those who don't know, Furpiece Ranch is Yorma Kalkinen's uh, fantastic uh, facility out in Athens, Ohio. And I've taught there for more than 20 years, maybe 22 years at least annually um and um it's always a treat for me and i love yorma and i love everything he puts together he's just a a great uh not only musician but he's a a great friend Mm -hmm. um but they've decided to do quite a lot of their programming this year virtually so i'm going to be doing this from this room (laughs) i'm going to be teaching at fur peace ranch in Ohio, but from my office in Woodstock, New York. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's pretty close to being sold out now. Um, they have a limit to how many people they're going to allow to uh, take my classes. So uh, if, if there may be still some room, I'm not sure, but uh, it's for a piece ranch. You can look it up and sign on if you if you're interested. And I'm sure folks can also go to your website too, happytraum.com, and uh, find out yes. about this and find out about the new CD. Uh, you know, happy. It, it's it's just been a, a joy to talk to you again, and uh, I am looking forward to playing all of these cuts in the weeks to come on on traditions. Oh, uh, it's just a, a, a lovely album, and I want to play one more song as as we go out. Um, it's a, an original song that you wrote. It's a, actually the last song on the album. Uh, and you wrote this, I understand, about 50 years ago? Yeah, it it was a song that I wrote for the album that I did with Artie. So it was our second Capitol album. That was our our foray into uh, the big time <laughs> back in 1969 or 70 uh, through the good graces of our manager, Albert Grossman, who also managed... Janis Joplin, Peter Paul and Mary, Bob Dylan at one time, Richie Havens. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, but Albert took us on and got us a deal with Capitol Records, which was the band. The band was on Capitol also. And uh, we made two records, which are now collector's items. Um, but people 
people hold them in very high regard. Anyway, um, one of the I, I was looking through a book of of um, classic American photography from the 19th century, and I came across this beautiful image of a of a woman in a long white flowing dress sitting on rocks and looking out at the uh, very romantically looking you know, with this upswept, uh, you know, 1890s hairstyle. Um, and it just struck me. So I wrote this song about her love song to a girl in an old photograph. And somehow at this stage in my life, it, it rang another sort of bell with me. And I thought I should revisit the song. Mm-hmm. Of course, in that song, I say that was 50 years ago and you were just 19. Well, now it was 100 years ago that she was 19. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I'm not going to change the, you know, <laughs> that doesn't scan as well. Um, and um, I played, I just was in the studio totally live again with uh, with Byron Isaacs, a fantastic bass player who used to play with Levon Helm and now is in the Lumineers. And my very dear friend, Cindy Cashdollar, who's the just sensational dobro and slide guitar player. And she played a, just a gorgeous accompaniment on an electric slide. And it was just the three of us in the studio. And I thought it was a perfect ending um, with some nostalgia, you know, for that, that person I wrote about all those years ago. So uh, I, I ended the, the CD with it. Did, did you ever know who the person was in the photograph? Never. She's an anonymous person. Uh-huh. I never well, knew. <laughs> well, it's, it's a lovely tribute to her. It's a lovely tribute to you. And again, I can't thank you enough for being with us today. Uh, again, the new album is called There's a Bright Side Somewhere. Congratulations. It's a, it's, it's a masterpiece. And uh I hope you don't wait seven more years before your next one. I want to. I want. I better not. <laughs> I better get started right now. Right. I'll, I'll let you get to work on that. Happy okay. Trump. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks, Ron. It's an honor to talk to you. And now let's take a listen to "Love Song to a Girl in an Old Photograph." Happy Trump. Face it is yesterday, it's part of the dead and gone. Still, I can't forget it, so I wrote you this song. I saw you in a photograph, you were staring out to sea. Wondered what was in your mind You stared so wistfully And time goes on As I sing this song Your dress of white Warmed your upswept hair Your eyes fixed on the flowing tide But your thoughts just weren't there Oh, that was 60 years ago 
when you were just 19 With the quiet grace and dignity of any storybook queen And time goes on as I sing the song Your girlish face and warms your soft brown hair. And like the ocean's endless tide, you'll always be there. And time goes on as I sing this song. Time goes on. As I sing the song 